Hi, I'm Jessica, and when I'm not drinking all the coffee, watching Razorback sports, or hanging out with my family of boys, it's my passion to help elementary music teachers just like you find your unique teaching style. My goal with this podcast is to share helpful tips, strategies, and to give you the motivation you need to gain momentum in your teaching so you can continue being the music teacher rock star you already are. Well, hey there, friend. Welcome back to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. You're listening to episode 97. Today is a conversation with Franklin Willis, and he is helping break down what he wished he knew before entering the teaching profession, cultural relevant teaching in elementary music, and also the importance of music education advocacy. Yes, that is a whole lot I interviewed him about, and oh my goodness, the thoughts he shares around all of these things are incredible. I cannot wait for you to listen into his interview. Before we start, I want to let you know that the audio on this podcast interview on my part, Franklin is loud and clear, which is the most important part because he has so many great things to share. But the audio end on my part, I decided to record this interview the day that every teacher practically in the world went virtual and Zoom was not being nice to me. So anyways, my part sounds a little not great. The audio does not. So if you can get past that and listen to the conversation, I would greatly appreciate that. So I just wanted to preface this interview with that. But back to Franklin, let me tell you a little bit about him because if you do not know about Franklin Willis, then after this podcast interview, you will need to connect with him because I'm telling you guys, he is amazing. So he currently serves as the elementary music coach for the Metro Nashville Public Schools District. In this role, he provides instructional support for elementary music teachers in creating a learning environment that fosters meaningful cultural experiences in the performance, understanding, and appreciation of music. Before this new role, Willis taught both general music and choir at the elementary and middle school levels for the past decade. He is a three-time recipient of the prestigious Country Music Association Foundation Music Teacher of Excellence Award. His student performance groups have been featured on national syndicated television programs such as NBC News, NBC News sorry, with Lester Holt, Entertainment Tonight, and The Today Show. He specializes in providing musical instruction that will empower and engage all children to achieve their best through authentic, culturally relevant teaching experiences. He's a graduate of the University of Memphis, where he earned a Bachelor's of Music Education with an emphasis in choral music. He also earned a Master's Degree in Education Degree in Nonprofit Leadership at Belmont University. You can find out more about Franklin and his advocacy for music education at his website, fwillismusic.com. You can also find him on Instagram and Twitter at fwillismusic.com as well. And the links for all of those things will be in the show notes. So without further ado, let's jump right in with today's episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. I am joined today by the amazing Franklin. If you do not know him, you are going to be in for a treat today. Um, I connected with him on Instagram. We had a conversation before we even started recording this episode and just really need to connect with other educators on social media and to follow his story and how much of an impact he's making every day 
and um, he's just such a blessing to get to know. So I'm going to open this up and let him tell you a little bit more about himself and yeah, and we'll just get started from there. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me and it's such a blessing to be here. I, I appreciate all the work that you're doing on behalf of elementary music and the platform you're providing for teachers. Um, music education has been my, um, man, it's been my life. Um, I got in, involved with music at National School of Arts in high school. I auditioned to be a part of that group and um, met Mr. Michael Graham, who was my high school choral music teacher. And he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And um, I ended up singing in choir, doing you know workshops and festivals with him. And throughout that 10th, 11th and 12th grade year, he made a huge impression on me. And I knew at that moment, when I went to college, I was gonna be a music educator. I knew I wanted to be a music teacher. So um, I ended up graduating from the University of Memphis, and I taught in Memphis elementary music for a year. Um, uh, loved it, started me an after-school choir, and did all of those great things, took my off-level class um, that summer. But then I wanted to move home because I wanted to change the world, right? Came home, and I went to a uh, inner-city school here in Nashville and taught there. and made a difference and next thing I know I was in middle school choral music because middle school choirs in Nashville needed a boost, right? So I taught middle school choir, uh, choir for five years and then I went to a off level workshop in Memphis and uh, I was, fell back in love with elementary music. There's so much you can do mm -hmm. from the singing, from movement to just instruments and body percussion and I'm like, okay, I'm going back to <laughs> elementary. So I went back to an elementary school called Andrew Jackson Elementary. I'm here in Nashville and taught there for the past three years and just started to grow musically, professionally. And um, then in this new role that I'm in for my district, I'm the elementary music coach. And this is the first time this position has been um, created. It is sponsored by the Grammy Education Coalition um, nonprofit. And basically, I support over 90 music, elementary music teachers in my district through resources, um, classroom management techniques, being a um, co-teacher, going in and co-teaching lessons, and just being an advocate and a resource for music teachers. It has not been an easy transition for me, I must be honest. Um, just learning how different um, teachers do things um, in their own way and, and being a sponge and soaking up, oh, I never looked at it that way. Or, wow, okay, yeah, you can, you know, pass out the mallets that way. Um, so just learning all of these new um, ways to um, teach music to kids. And um, the biggest um, uh, point for me for teachers is always looking through the lens of equity um, and making sure that students have access to uh, good music education, I should say good quality mm. music educational experiences. So um, now I find myself on the administrative side, which is has been eye-opening um, and, and finding ways to advocate for music teachers. So in a 
to, to put us a spin on all of that, um, I, I feel like I'm in an evolution of what I was sent here to do in public ed. And it's make sure that teachers and students understand the importance of arts and why um, we need them in our schools and being able to show the evidence of that work. Mm -hmm. um, on the side, I just started a community choir here in Nashville that services over 42 children in the Nashville area. It's an after-school um, program. And I just started in January with my team of um, co-teachers. And we're excited about that. It's called the Voices of Vision Community Children's Choir. Um, so I'm excited about that. And I was missing teaching so much and having my mm -hmm. own kids. Um, it, it just was, it naturally happened. And so I'm excited yeah. about that, um, just that new venture. So um, music ed is, is everything to me. Um, I love working with children. I love seeing the, um, the look on their eyes when, when they get it. I love seeing parents' reactions when they get to see their children perform. Um, it's just a magical, it's something that is very transformational. So that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, oh, I do have a son. I'm a new dad. Yay. He's two years old. Um, his name is Edward, and I'm loving just the progression of seeing him grow. Yeah. Um, and seeing him develop. So if you do follow me on Instagram, you will see pictures of him and pictures of my wife. Um, it's just part of who I am and part mm -hmm. of my story. So. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, I have three boys. So anytime you need advice oh, about that, <laughs> I got it covered. We have our own little frat house over here. So <laughs> I love everything you shared. I mean, I was thinking while you were talking about um, your story has taken a lot of different twists and turns. Yeah. And like you said, unexpectedly, some things have kind of fallen, well, I guess, into your lap or, yeah. been, you know, like, hey, I want you to take on this new role. And you're like, well, I miss being in the classroom. But mm -hmm. once you're a teacher, you're always a teacher, whether you're working in the classroom or working with teachers, or I love how you started that after school choir in the community. I mean, yeah. that's amazing. Um, and so I love what you said about working with teachers you see that everybody kind of does things differently. Um, some teachers, I'm not trying to step on toes here, but are a little bit stuck in their ways and are a little Amen. bit, do you see that? Not wanting to kind of take advice sometimes and some are willing to be like, oh, that's a great idea. So yes. that kind of leads me into this next question, sure. which is about um, somebody listening to this right now who is about to graduate with a teaching degree what advice do you have for them of something or some things you wish you knew before you got into the teaching profession? Wow. What a question. <laughs> um, um, it's so many things, but mm -hmm. for me, number one is get to know your students, build relationships, um, share who you are. Um, many times we get into, oh my God, I want to teach this piece. I want the kids to sing in three-part harmony. I want to like do all these ostinatos and just mm -hmm. cool. And the kids end up doing all that cool stuff. But at the end of the day, they don't know why they did it. They don't know who you are and they don't feel seen. And mm -hmm. the, the first year for me was so instrumental. I had some veteran educators in the building with me and they would say frankly you're doing a great job but do you know who the kids are mm -hmm. do you know 
that such and such is dealing with this at home. Um, are you have you reached out to the parents and let them know what's going on? And I just that did not cross my mind. So building relationships and um, even a couple of new teachers that I have in my district, I had I requested them to create just the entry uh, intro slideshow. You know, who are you? Where did you graduate from school? Why do you love teaching music? Why did you sign up to be a music teacher? What experience did you have that impacted your life that made you say, man, I want to do this too. Mm. And I had a couple of teachers that did it. And the feedback that they got from their kids was like, wow, I didn't know that you played trombone at the age of, you know, whatever. I didn't know you were in middle school band. And so the connections that can be made before teaching music even begins, you have buy-in, you have the students you know, they understand, like, man, music is really important to Mr. Willis. Well, maybe it should be important to me. Um, so number one is build community, build trust, build relationships. Number two for me is um, be okay not being in charge all the time. Be That's okay good. with passing the not having your students pass knowledge to you. Mm -hmm. um, I had a kid in middle school. We were reading rhythms and I was so into, you gotta be able to read, you gotta be able to read, you gotta be able to read. And he would just bag away, he would bag away, didn't wanna participate, didn't wanna be involved. And I just, I took it personally. I'm like, why is he not wanting to read these rhythms? I know he can do it, blah, 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 blah. Student talent show comes apart. He gets on stage with his friends, has a full drum set, playing the drums, doing all of this stuff that I'm like, hold on. Is that the same kid that couldn't read eighth notes, quarter notes, 16th notes? Come to find out, he was embarrassed that he couldn't read the notation. Um, Nobody had ever taught him that. He hmm. just had a natural ability and a natural gift. He'd been playing church drums for three or four years. And I felt so bad because I didn't find the brilliance in that kid. I didn't take the time to step back and realize he already had it in him. He just wasn't able to connect it. And mm -hmm. so many times we have brilliance walking in our classroom and we don't know it because our lens of brilliance is just different. And so um, I know that gets back to knowing your students and building that community, but be okay with not being the one who holds all of the knowledge but being uh, understanding that the kids also have some brilliance and some knowledge that we may not have and being okay with them <laughs> um, having that. Um, and number three, um, get you some classroom management skills. Yeah, you can have the <clears throat> biggest dreams and the biggest aspirations, but if you don't have classroom management, it can't happen. Yeah. So understanding um, where you are, your audience, knowing your location, um, all of that, knowing the systems in your inside your building, understanding the culture of the classroom, um, leadership, getting to know your janitor. <laughs> it's huge. It's mm -hmm. so many things that I was like, wow, I wish somebody would have told me this. Yeah. Knowing how to fill out transportation forms, field trip forms. I know so many teachers that just don't even take field trips because it's such a hassle <laughs> it to is, yeah. get the paperwork <laughs> filled out. Yeah. Um, if you have a PTO, who's the president of the PTO? 
How is that ran? Can you get reimbursed for funds? Um, what is your district's curriculum? How, how should I teach it? What are the state standards? There's so many pieces to that question. I, we probably could do a whole podcast on just that one topic. Yep. Um, but the biggest thing is understanding um, what it is that you want to accomplish as a music educator. If, begin with the end in mind. In August, what do you want your kids to know by May? And that could be civically, that could be, um, you know, um, musically, socially, all of those things. What do you want them to know about May? And then break it down. Okay, in the month of August, we're going to focus on procedures. We're mm -hmm. going to focus on getting to know each other. And then I'm going to sprinkle some music activities. Yeah. That's fine. You do not have to conquer the whole world in the month of August. Because guess what? You will get burnt out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and you won't have anything else to give. Yeah. Um, so I know I said a whole lot, but those are some nuggets that I think if you find one or two that hit home with you, um, focus on those and reach out to your community. Yeah. Okay. That is so good. And listening to your story, I can relate to 100% of it. <laughs> yeah. Because when I got in, so I started teaching in the middle of the school year. Mm -hmm. an inner city title one school and okay. my mentor teacher didn't know anything about music but one of the things she told me was just classroom management and, and that's all she would say and I'm like well yeah but what what do I do because I would mm -hmm. listen to these kids and they were just like acting up next door in the art room before I got them and I thought what am I going to do yeah. like I am totally but that's what like you said yeah. that's one of the biggest questions about classroom management um, that I get asked is well, what do you do I can give ideas and suggestions, but like you said, it depends on your students, your school culture, your classroom, what your students need. And when I made the shift from not just making it, rules are important, procedures are important, 100%. But like you said too, when I made the shift to getting to know my students, having relationships, my eyes were open. Some of the kids acting out, like I took it personally too, I realized I would find out some family stuff going on that I didn't know about until I opened my eyes or asked. And then I was like, mm -hmm. oh, and then compassion started. Yeah, right, exactly. And a lot of times I think it's so easy because you don't see your kids very much yeah. as the music teacher. Lots it's easy to take it personally. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes, I don't know, it's just so hard because you don't see them very much. But sometimes you just need to take a step back and try to think, if this kid is pushing back like your student who was totally musical, yes. there's kids like that. Maybe they're not participating because it is hard and they're just not getting it, but they're embarrassed to tell you. So That's right. I love that. I love everything you said. Oh my gosh. I could expand on all that forever. Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, like when working with new teachers, I like that you said that too, just getting in there and doing it. I feel like is, I, I, would you agree with me? It's just part of it. It's just you're learning as you go, learning as right. you do it. And I feel like that comparing yourself, I tell the teachers I work with all the time, it's easy to compare yourself at workshops and go, oh my gosh, this teacher just has, has everything together. And here I am, I'm new. I don't know what I'm doing and I can barely get through next week's lessons. Yeah, right. So what would you, how would you encourage a teacher that is maybe new to the game and they're kind of comparing themselves how would you encourage them to just kind of be true to who they are? Um, that's, that's so good. 
I think what we fail to realize is everybody has a starting point. So what you see at that workshop was not how they were day one. And if they tell you they were, most of them are lying. Yeah, true. <laughs> there was some trial and error in what they have developed. So, um, num- man, that's that's so, so good. Um, if I could add to that, I would say um, find your teacher voice. So some folks are a little bit more assertive and a little bit more demanding. Um, um, your voice might be a little bit more soft and sensitive. Mm-hmm. Your kids will appreciate that. Um, at the end of the day, it, they know that you mean business and that you are here to teach and learn, but we're going to do so in order. Um, I think that le- that can lead to some great things. Um, I, it's one of those things, I think, on the job training, <laughs> as you go, yeah. you make note, ooh, I probably shouldn't have did that. I probably shouldn't have said that because I did that. The kid reacted this way. Probably won't do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you kind of file it in your brain or maybe you have a journal and you journal that out and you write it out. Um, and then as you go into your career, next year you'll realize, ooh, that kid reminds me just like John. He reminds me just of how Deshaun was. I probably need to lead him in this manner. And that's kind of how I've developed my management skills. Um, sometimes I can snap into it and get get right to it. But I always want to come back to a place of love. And um, even in my rehearsal about two weeks ago, we, we had our first performance coming up. And I was on edge. And I was like, oh, God, we, we got 30 minutes to get the rest of this and da 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 And I felt myself <laughs> going into freak out mode as music teacher, <laughs> as we do. And then I came back and I said, you guys, you know what? Sit down. I love y'all. You, you're here on a Monday afternoon. You're singing. You've had a long day at school. We're going to be okay. We're going to be all yeah. right. I love it. Do y'all understand that I love y'all and I want the best for each of you? And it's just something came over me. And then we stood up. I said, okay, let's sing. That was the best they've ever done. it. Mm. And I wasn't, you know, pointing out every single thing. It was just the, the, the moment needed affirmation. It needed, mm. hey, we're here together. We're making music. It's gonna be it's gonna be okay, yeah. And um, so, but that came with maturity. That came with experience. Um, just take time to breathe, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and also, ooh, let me add this. I like to record my lessons, my rehearsals, and I go back and watch them with the kids and say, "Take note, y'all. What did we do really good? What needs to be addressed? Did you notice anything? What did you notice?" When you ask that question, kids can find some amazing stuff. Yeah. I noticed that our posture wasn't good. I noticed that we were singing and we were watching the director. Take notes of that. And then just build upon that. Start with the baby steps and build upon it. Um, one more thing for new teachers, I like to ask, how long does it take for music to begin? So when kids line up at the door and you greet them, good morning, good afternoon, when you get into the room, how long does it take for the music to begin? What makes your class different than everybody else's? 
And so I would hit play the moment those kids come in, come inside the room, come inside the room, make a round circle, round circle. I got that from my mentor teacher. Every class that he had, he began with the circle song. And it just creates, you know, uniformity. Oh, mm -hmm. this feels familiar. This is music class. Let's begin. You might want to start with some body percussion or simple uh, echo patterns. Mm -hmm. It just, that gives kids some normalcy. Yeah. And that gives them some time, some consistency. Um, so find your teacher voice and, and let that be your path to beginning to identify what works for your kids. Oh, I love that. That's good. Yeah, because you're a unique person with a unique personality, unique set of skills, and it's not going to look the same as everyone else, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but I love that you said have the kids come in and immediately start actively making music because I feel like it. I learned that the hard way. The day, you know, before I learned to do that, I would have the kids come in and it would just be like, today class, we're going to start with this, ready, go. And by the time I did that, there was like five of them already turning in circles on the floor and not listening. And I was like, I'm already losing them. Okay, we got 40 minutes left. Okay. Yeah. But no, just immediately coming in the door, like start with something and then keep the class time moving. I think that really helps with distractions too. And yes. they, they can't distract their neighbor as much or talk if they're constantly you keep them moving they keep class time flowing that's good and you and this is an easy one i also want to throw this in there because i go to a lot of teachers and for the first time i'm meeting students in the moment for the first time yeah so i'll have a drum in my hand it could be a hand drum and i would just tell the students keep your feet to my beat and as they enter in the room i might switch it to this and you keep your feet to my beat but if the drum stops you do what and they say, stop. Yeah. And so that's an easy, you find out easily who's going to pay attention, who's following instructions, who can Ooh. keep the beat. All of those things is an easy assessment to a space that's new or foreign to you. Um, and it's just so simple. And then as your kids get used to it, you can have your students keep that beat. And then you can get things done as they're entering into the room. Um, but you're right. It, 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 but that came with experience because I had that same thing happen to me. All right, everybody go in, have a seat on the carpet. <laughs> oh, Lord, where on the carpet? On the corner? Exactly. On the carpet? What if I don't want to sit on the carpet, Mr. Willis? I mm -hmm. want to stand to the side. And you just began all of these other things. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, oh, yes. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Being clear with your instructions too. Like if you're going to say, go to the carpet, they got to know where exactly they're sitting. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's switch gears. And yeah. I want to also talk about a couple more things today because I know you have a lot to give. So um, cultural relevant teaching in the elementary music classroom. I'm going to open the door and just let you talk about what this means to you and what advice you have around this topic for music teachers listening in. Well, um, this one is something that has been, I didn't know I was being culturally relevant in my education choices as a teacher, elementary music teacher. Um, this is something that has just through my research um, for grad school that I found. And um, basically it is using your students' culture um, to infuse that into your instruction. 
Um, I do want to shout out the person that termed this, uh, uh, that, that created this terminology. Her name is Gloria Latson Billings. Um, she's a professor at University of Wisconsin, I believe. And she just developed this all the way back in 95, which I just, that blows my mind. Mm. But she did this research where she went into African-American um, teachers or kid, people who were working with predominantly African-American students and tried to figure out how were they so successful. Mm -hmm. And um, her research basically shows that teachers who use culturally relevant practices as their teaching pedagogy are more effective in reaching at risk and students of color. Through her approach, teachers are able to access the cultural capital that students already possess and apply that knowledge in a practical way that promotes learning. And so these are her words on this. She says, culturally responsive teaching is a pedagogy that recognizes the importance of including students' cultural references in all aspects of learning. So when I started to think about what does this mean for elementary music, I remember like my second year of teaching, um, Nicki Minaj had this uh, song, um, I can't, gosh, I can't even oh. Um, it, it was, uh, I know what you're talking about too. And I can't remember the title uh, uh. that I, that I heard. And I was like, and it was around Valentine's day. And so I, the kids kept on singing and kept on singing. I'm mm -hmm. like, hold on, how can I make, and when I mm -hmm. ask them to sing a song that's in my curriculum, they look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. But when I walk past the playground or I'm in the cafeteria, you guys are singing and just having a ball. Yeah. So I said, I'm doing something wrong. Because you guys like singing, you just don't like singing the music that Mr. Willis is choosing. So I end up doing like a little remix and I put, you know, new words to her song and they loved it. And we ended up going around the school singing their song for Valentine's Day. And so as I progress year after year, whatever's hot on the radio, I started trying to incorporate it when it was appropriate into my classroom. And what I found is the level of engagement that happened with the kids went through the roof. They were excited to come to Mr. Willis's classroom. They were excited to share, Mr. Willis, I found out this, I could put this beat. I found out what key the song was in. You could play this on the xylophone. And so they started making all of these other connections that otherwise I wouldn't have been able to do or be able to see. And so for the teacher who doesn't like hip hop or who doesn't like pop music or who doesn't like reggae or who doesn't like acoustic, I'm sorry. Be able to accept that this is what our kids are listening to. Yeah. This is what speaks to them. This is what makes them come alive. And so for me, it was being able to accept that and realize that, hey, that's okay. We can explore that music by also touching the musical standards, by also creating opportunities for them to connect to the terminology that us education folks like to use. And so um, for me, culturally relevant is just being aware of the times in which we are living and breathing and teaching and learning. Um, and so with that in mind, I always try to keep something in my pocket. Um, last year, it was Old Town Road. 
And there are so many arguments about Old Town Road. Is it country? Is it hip hop? Then when um, Little Nas X came out as gay, the hip hop community, some people didn't accept him as, as hip hop because you're gay. And so mm -hmm. it was so much going on. But if you went outside, especially during testing season for us here in Nashville, I'm going to take my horse to the Old Town Road. <laughs> and kids were just singing and laughing and playing. And I said, okay, testing season, kids are going through the roof. It's craziness. How can I make that happen in the music room? I went on YouTube. Yeah. I found the instrumental version. And I put rhythm sticks. And I passed them out to the kids. And I said, you have to create a two-beat ostinato. You got five minutes. Go. I didn't let them know that that was going to be the song we were putting these two-beat ostinatos to. We went. We did a, a, a pair and share. They found out what rhythms they were going to do. They notated them. And then I pressed play on Old Town Road. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You should have <laughs> seen it. They just went through the roof. And they were so excited to share their creations. So then we built that into a routine. And I posted that on my Facebook. It got thousands and thousands of views and comments. And teachers were like, oh, my God, what did you do? How did you make that happen? And it was just as simple as that using what the kids love and putting mm -hmm. a music ed spin to it. And mm -hmm. so using opportunities like that to find what our kids love and it let them explore. Um, it, it's just something, it's so easy, <laughs> but yeah. we make it so hard. Mm -hmm. And you do not have to be a hip hop head. You do not have to be a rap aficionado. It was just being able to use what, our kids are connected to. Yeah. And so for the rest of the year, Mr. Willis was cool. Mr. Willis was fun. I had parents, what are you doing in the classroom? Can I come see what's going on? <laughs> Mr. Willis, my principal would be in the room getting her some rhythm sticks. That's awesome. And it didn't take this new, like, it didn't take a lot for that to happen. And yeah. it built community. I had kids who claimed they didn't like each other or who didn't want to sit beside each other. They were wanting to work together. Ooh, can you teach me your rhythms? And so um, using what is, is, is fun and exciting. Now, is it a Bach chorale? No. Is it Mozart? <laughs> no. But were my kids engaged? Were they having fun? Were they learning with each other? Absolutely. And that is yep. what I want to see happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So I just love that you started this conversation. I remember being at even ORF level one or mm -hmm. trainings, any workshops. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I would take some of these songs. And I remember looking at them and thinking about my students. I worked at a predominantly African American school. Mm -hmm. And I remember these kiddos looking at me, like you said, with this blank look like, I'm not singing that. Definitely. I'm not doing this dance. I'm not. And I would be like, all right, this isn't working. <laughs> and so, like you said, mm -hmm. I found a hip hop recorder book. Mm -hmm. 
It was really fun. It would play this hip, like, kind of like rhythms, hip-hop rhythms behind them playing the recorder. Mm-hmm. Then I found some uh, this book called Rock and Rhythm Raps, where we would practice our rhythms, but we would do it and, like you said, then add instruments to it. And then I started w- listening or asking them, bring in some familiar music every Friday. They would, yeah. I mean, it would be a rotation, but yeah, bringing in familiar music to them. And then we would, do, and then I would like go, okay, I'm going to create a lesson plan around that. Mm-hmm. I think, like you said, was it uncomfortable for me at first? Yes. And I think part of the reason wasn't because of the culture for me. It was because of what was ingrained in me in college yeah. and, and in workshops. It's Orf Gadai, These are the folk songs. This is the literature of what to teach in the curriculum. And then you, you're like, here's what I'm bringing in elementary music. And then I remember thinking that going, Am I doing something wrong because everything they told me to teach, the kids aren't responding? It's not working. And it wasn't that. It was like you said, you have to remember the students you're teaching. That's right. And instead of, you know, it's like, you know, you think of those little kid toys shoving the, like your son, (laughs) the round Mm -hmm. peg into the square hole or whatever. And it's like, if you're you're forcing something, Mm -hmm. they're not going to respond to it. And it's about, I think so many teachers, and you, I know you've seen this, are afraid to teach popular music mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, what if there's a, you know, what if someone makes a comment? What if a teacher hears that and then they're reporting yep. me? Or what if, is this yep. okay to teach an elementary music class? And there's a right way to do it, like you said. And Absolutely. I know there's so many teachers listening to this that are going to be like, oh, I can do that? Absolutely. Oh, yes, you can. Um, you know, and I think that's just part of it. It's like, Maybe and some, I don't know, some of music education degree is still old school, like, mentality. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I presented at a conference last year, and it was a young teacher. She was about to graduate, and she came up to me, and she said, Franklin, I'm a white young lady, and I'm probably going to be teaching in a predominantly place of color. Mm-hmm. And can I teach gospel music? Can I teach hip-hop? And then I went right back to her, and I said, well, can I teach... An Italian folk song? Can I teach right. a Scottish round? And she said, yeah. I said, well, you can too. Right. I said, it's all about context and your entry level. Now, if you're just mm-hmm. coming in, and you're just saying press play on Old Town Road and you think magic <laughs> is going to happen. Right. No. It's, it's right. about letting the students know, hey, hey, y'all. And you have to be okay with you doing this and being okay with yourself and secure. Hey guys, I know y'all love this song. I've heard it. I've heard y'all singing it, and I want to explore it in the music room. It can be as simple as that. Um, last year, I taught um, "My Bella Bimba." It's an Italian folk song. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's an arrangement by Donald Moore to my after-school choir. And one of my students said, "Mr. Willis, my mom is from Italy, and I think you might be pronouncing this wrong," because she was singing it to me, and she sang it a little different. And I said, really? When her mom came to pick her up, I said, do you mind coming to our rehearsal? I want you to come in and just sing it for us and talk about what this song means to you. And she came in. I learned so much from her. She was our consultant on that song. And we went to festival and we got superior. That's awesome. And we were able to do some awesome work with that song. But I was secure enough with me. I didn't go mm-hmm. off on the student and say, hey, what you talking about? Be quiet. No, 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 no. Mm. I said, ooh, thank you. That's an opportunity. That's, a, that's not an obstacle. That's an opportunity for Mr. Willis to get better and for my students to learn. 
come on, mama, come on. I want you to come on in here. And, and so she did that. And so we have to be secure enough and available and open for our students to see that, hey, we can learn too. Mm. And I think once they see that, they will understand that music is music and we can thrive together. Ooh, I love that. And it goes back to um, to the conversation you and I had, I believe it was either before we started recording or not, but about imposter syndrome yes. and, you know, being afraid of exploring other cultures of music. And I even think about teaching songs in Spanish for me is not easy. No. I, I do not speak. I took, I took Spanish in college and high school and I still cannot roll my R's. I have a country twang to my voice. So like Spanish does not come out right. And I realize that and I have a couple Spanish students be like, not how you say that. Yeah. You know, Miss Presto, that's wrong. And I was like, Oh, well, like you said, open the door instead of being like, what? Did you talk out? Exactly. Excuse me. No. What do we do? Do we raise our hand? No. She was just trying yes. to, she wasn't correcting. It wasn't an attitude and a disrespect. Just like you said, be open to listening to your students because they have something to contribute and they want to. They do. But yeah. They okay. Do. I love that. Do you have anything else to add on that? Um, I mean, it's, it's so, once again, this is another topic. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it could go on and on. But mm -hmm. I really want teachers to be aware of their bias and okay. acknowledge it. It's okay that you didn't grow up in a homeless community. It's okay that you didn't that you don't know uh, the obstacles that face children of color and their home life and all of that. But you have to acknowledge that, and then yeah. you have to do the work and yeah. stop wanting other people to do the work for you. Yeah, you can Google. You can find books, you can be educated so that you are making the best informed decision for you and for your students. Mm -hmm. So be okay with acknowledging that, hey, I'm not a Spanish speaking person. I, I, I don't know Spanish, but 70% <laughs> of my kids are Spanish speaking students. Right. So I need to learn some Spanish. Yes. So I am okay with being around them and teaching. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's okay, but one thing that we teachers, we do, we make excuses. Well, they, don't, they haven't had a music teacher in three years. I'm mm -hmm. the fourth music teacher. The administration has changed every so often, and we create these fear-based narratives to make our story okay. Yeah. What I want to change the narrative on is, hey, it is what it is. Let's grow. So acknowledge it, name it, identify it, and then begin putting uh, practices, putting things in place to grow from them. Yeah. It's about having a growth mindset, just like you yes. teach your students to. It's yes. instead it of saying, how we do yeah, it? yes, you tell your kids something and you're not doing it as a teacher. Yes. Which <laughs> so is hard. We want them to stand tall. We want yeah. their hands to be to the side. We want them to sing with confidence. We want them to do all this stuff. Yeah. And then we get in front of them and conduct and look at the look at the paper the entire yeah. time. <laughs> right, because you're and uncomfortable. It's like, <laughs> yeah. That's not music making. Yeah. And so it is you're so right. Growth mindset and practice what you preach. Yes. Oh, and it, like you said earlier, also reminding the students that you're also human and you're learning right along with them. And hey, I'm gonna mess up or hey, I'm not hundred percent comfortable with it comfortable with this, but we're going to learn it together. And if I mess up, 
it's okay. I'm going to learn from that too. <laughs> there was a second grade teacher that I worked with and she told her students whenever they made a mistake, she said, it's cool. And so that particular class, we're doing xylophones or I'm on a keyboard or I'm just having a bad vocal day and I'm like, ooh, I sound bad, y'all. And they're like, it's cool, Mr. Willis, it's cool. <laughs> and so it's cool, it's okay. You can make a mistake, but how do you address that mistake and how do you mm -hmm. grow? So that growth mindset, that's key. I'm glad you Oh, yeah. Okay, and then there's one more thing I want to talk to you about before I let you go, and it's about music education ad advocacy, and I feel like a lot of what we even talked about today is definitely great to, you know, great things to advocate for music education with, mm -hmm. um, but I want to just ask you, a lot of music teachers I know that I talk to, and I know you talk to as well, are just like, I don't know how to advocate for music education mm -hmm. or music in my school, so sure. what do you suggest around that? Um, number one, advocacy begins with the teacher. Everything begins with you and your views on music education. So just to get a little serious, just real quick. Yeah, you go. What is your philosophy on music ed? It's a question that is thrown out in our undergrad course. And we write all of this stuff and music education for all. And we want all students to receive arts. But what does it what does it really mean for music education to happen to you and what are the benefits so once you get your working definition um for me then i go i need to pass that on to my students how can i pass the love of singing the love of uh, music making to my kids through instruction once that love has been passed the kids are going to take it home the kids are going to go home. They're going to sing those songs you taught them. They're going to do those dances. They're going to play the games you taught them. And the parents are going to see this and they're going to hear it. So then it's going to be transmitted to the parents. Mm -hmm. So the parents are going to start saying, hold on, what did you learn? What's going on? Because the kids are going to be yeah. so excited. to, Mom, you got to come to the concert. Mom, you got to hear this new song. You got to do this. And then once the parents are bought in, the parents will start making connections. And I'm only speaking from experience. This has happened to me. Parents will start asking, Mr. Willis, how can I support the music program? I just love what you're doing. They'll start talking to your administration. They'll start being your advocate. And then it'll start spreading into the community. And the community will begin asking, how can I, how can I provide any, any resources? And so it all starts with the music teacher. And when I say that, you could do newsletters, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be every month. It could be um, quarterly. This is what's going on in the music room. And everybody that comes to your room, they leave with that handout. You can send the email out to your principal or to your staff um, that you work with. Hey, this is what we'll be doing for the months of August, September. How can we connect with, how can I connect with what you're teaching in the classroom? Um, so that begins an advocacy piece. Um, reaching out to churches in your community, community centers, um, local businesses. Hey, I'm having my talent show, and I would love for you guys to just come and be a part. I don't know how. You might want to be a sponsor. You may want to just bring a few team members and set up a booth. Um, mm -hmm. I've done all of those things, and the support that comes with that is just absolutely amazing. The connections that you start to have. Um, in the community, people can speak on your behalf. 
because as a music teacher, everybody expects me to say music is great, right? Yeah. But what if right. in a concert, my students got up and talked about what they gained from music? So I used to do a music is concert in the spring. Music is, and you fill in the blank. And so I would have my administration do that. I would have the students do that. And so it kind of turned into a poetry slam. And so we would do our snaps. And and so, um, and then the kids would vote on who they liked the best from the class. And then those kids would get to present in the main concert. Um, But it all started with me. And if I didn't have that passion and that commitment, then it wouldn't be passed on to our kids and it wouldn't pass on to their parents. So advocacy begins with you. And once you have your story, then you will be effectively be able to pass that on to your kids. And and in the age of social media and, and all of that, creating a Facebook page for your music program or Instagram so parents can see what's going on in the music room. One thing I know for sure, is parents love to brag on their kids. They <laughs> love to share. They love to come to performances. And so that was my biggest advocacy selling point is this is what we're doing in the music room, parents. And we're able to take that from the music room and put it on the stage through creativity, through performance, <laughs> through um, singing, dance, through instrument playing. And parents are your biggest advocate. They post that on Facebook. Oh my God, they did that in the music room and people get to talking and sharing and commenting. Um, So that would be my um, quick spill on advocacy. Um, But it begins with the music educator. Now, if you're just showing up and it's just a job to you, then it's going to show up in other ways as well. And I Mm -hmm. realize some people are not as committed to that and that's okay. But for me, it was, how can I pass this love of music making that inspired me, that saved my life, um, that, that put me on a different trajectory, that, sh- that provided me an outlet to explore all the things that I was going through. I was able to pinpoint that in my life. How can I do that for my kids? Yeah. And so yeah. when I was able to do that, that's when music making and my parents and the community was able to get behind what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Don't you feel like a lot of parents too, like you said, just aren't aware of what goes on in the music room? Um, I don't know what your music class was like when you were a kid, but mine was way different than music oh, yeah. is in schools now. And so uh, if I wasn't a you know music educator, I would have no idea that how much kids did in a music classroom. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times parents just are unaware, like you said, and see, yeah. they come to their kids program. But like you said, invite them into the classroom sometimes. Yeah. Come explore with us. Come see what your kid's doing. And a lot of times they're like, what in the, I didn't know yeah. this was happening in here. Yeah. Whoa, you got to do a whole lot. Yeah. Um, and, and as you said that, I think in my elementary music experience, it was a sit and get. I just remember, we would come in, we would sit down, and they would just oh. sing through these songs and press play yep. on the CD player, <laughs> and we just sang. That's all I yeah. remember. I do not oh, yeah. remember yep. like, processing, creating, team There was none of that. None of that. And so no. now we have a wonderful opportunity to build so many different capacities in our kids yes. other than just the music making. Oh, yeah. I get more than a music teacher. 
we do more than teach music in our classrooms. Oh yeah, it's the one time a day the kids can come in and collaborate with each other. And like you said earlier, work with kids who they maybe don't really associate with outside of the music room. I just think it's so great because they, the small groups a lot of times even are split up, not into you're on this reading level or math level, but let's just all work together. We're all going to do cooperative learning no matter what you're doing outside of my classroom in your classroom, um, in your regular classroom. So I have loved this conversation and I want to end with you just sharing any last minute pieces of advice and where anybody can find you online and so they can connect with you after this episode. Well, I just want to thank you. This has been so uplifting and empowering, especially in the midst of this coronavirus, Mm. all of this that's going on in our nation. This has been so just wonderful to have this conversation with you, Jessica. And I just want to say thank you for inviting me. Um, it's a, it's an honor. It, it really is. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at F Willis music. Um, my name is Franklin Willis. So that's where the F comes for, um, comes from. And, um, I, I'm just excited. We're in a wonderful space right now in music education because people are finally doing a deep dive into what it means to be a music educator in Mm -hmm. 2020. And I'm speaking of technology right now, technology in the music ed classroom is booming because now we're having to teach from our homes. And so um, it's it's just very exciting. Um, I'm excited about um, teachers seeing themselves as entrepreneurs like yourself is so inspiring to hear your story and how you began this wonderful journey and, and this podcast and what episode Mm. is this? This is like episode what? Oh gosh. You're going to be episode 94, 95. I believe I might be wrong. You're going to be in the 90s somewhere. (laughs) Oh my, like, did you ever think that that would be even possible when you first got the idea? You know what I mean? Oh no. Oh no, definitely not. Uh, So (laughs) it's just showing me that the world is, is awaiting our greatness. It's awaiting the gifts that we have. So any music teacher out there who um, you're, you're feeling called to do something else, I think you should take the chance and take the leap um, because that breakthrough, we need it. We need need that small business. We need your book. We need your uh, elementary musical that's in your head. We need that song. Mm -hmm. We need that poetry. We need that movement piece. We need all of those things. It's going to make us better. It's going to make our students better. And it's going to provide us an opportunity to connect all the things that we're learning. And so I'm just, I'm thrilled about this. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening, whoever's here. And just know that you have the power to impact so many people and to change lives. And that's what it's about for me. And that's what Mr. Graham, my music teacher, did for me in high school. He showed me through music, there is no limits. There is, Mm. there's possibilities. There's Mm -hmm. opportunities. Um, So turn that obstacle into an opportunity. Thank you so much for listening in to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, I would love for you to review the show and leave a rating on iTunes.
To find out more about how I can help you gain momentum in your elementary music teaching career, head to thedomesticmusician.com where you'll find free downloads, courses, the blog, and so much more. Continue teaching music and never doubt the impact you're making each and every day in the lives of your students.